Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. To quote Vivek Ramaswamy, he said, when people feel like they don't have a voice, they scream. When they feel like their scream isn't being heard, they tear things down. I don't know how much of a time you've spent leading, but if you've been around children or you've been around toddlers or even some of those who are not um, fully able intellectually, it's pretty common that if they try to say something three or four or five times and, and they're not heard at all, they go into a temper tantrum. I, I heard a new one recently. Uh, someone who refused to reply to someone else was said to be having a mantrum. He was having a mantrum. That's a new one on me, but okay, I get it. I still think the spirit of the concept is fair and accurate. When people feel like they should have a voice and they don't have a voice, they get upset about that. And if they try to express their thoughts, their opinions, and no one will hear them, they raise their voice until they do get the attention necessary. And when they don't get the attention necessary, they can become physically upset about that. And that's what I want to talk about in this episode of Leading Leaders. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast, and I can tell you, having raised four kids of my own and a handful plus of other people's kids, and now 10 who call us Lolly and Poppy, I have experienced the terrible twos and the tremendous threes as they learn to have their own voice. Young people are very determined sometimes to get their way, very determined that their ideas their opinions, their thoughts will be heard. And it's easy to write it off when they're two, three, four, five, even seven, eight, nine, ten years old. It's a little more complicated when they get into the early teens or the late teens because when they make that escalation from I'm not being heard to I raise my voice, they can get really loud. And when they make the next escalation from raising their voice to physicality, it can get downright dangerous. That's when furniture gets broken and things get torn up in the home. And if it's a behavior that isn't controlled, it can lead to domestic violence and riots in the streets and all kinds of stuff. But see, there's a balance of how we control, modify, moderate, appease, negotiate, navigate, this escalation from I'm not being heard to physicality. One way we've seen in our nation's history is that silent voice, that voice that has a cry to be heard, is screaming out in the wilderness. Sometimes, sometimes that silent voice never leaves the heart. It never actually crosses the lips. It simmers like a pressure cooker. And and the escalation isn't obvious. Yeah, it simmers under the surface like a duff fire. You know what a duff fire is? 
It's that fire that burns underground. Sometimes it's an old coal mine or sometimes it's a fire that started, but then it was smothered as time went on. Nobody noticed it. It was covered and buried and now it's under the ground and it's still burning. It's still hot. It just needs a little bit of breakthrough to the oxygen. And the minute it does, it can burn acres, hundreds of acres, thousands of acres almost instantly because all the fuel and all the heat is still there. It just needed a breath of air. There are moments like that in the history of every nation where the pressure cooker of life, of social injustices, of cultural disagreements has burned, simmering, under the surface, unspoken for decades. In generations, we see these break out as civil wars, <clears throat> sometimes as national wars and world wars. We also see them break out in elementary schools and middle schools and high schools and college campuses for the same reason. This deep burning passion and emotion of ideas and beliefs, it just has no voice. It has no place to be expressed because when it's expressed, it receives a heckler's veto. Or when it's expressed, it, it's shut down. It's, it's silenced because it's not the most popular opinion because someone could label it hate speech because they got their fannies in a ruffle. Someone's feathers are all askew, and so they silence those they disagree with. And we see it, again, at every level. Maybe it's your middle school student who has an opinion that's not real popular in middle school, and so the other students bully them into silence, or the teacher sends them to the, te to the principal's office on a regular basis, or downgrades their homework assignments, or doubles their homework load. But there's all kinds of manipulation of people's opinions. It comes in various forms. In some forms, it's a political persecution. In others, it's a legal persecution. There are people right now in jail facing two, five, ten-year terms for comments made on social media. When exactly the same comment was copied and pasted by someone else, but the target of the comment was changed, it's just their opinion. It's no big deal. Why is one person's opinion worthy of arrest and another is not? See, that's the kind of silence that leads to screaming and screaming that leads to physicality and that physicality can become violence. What happens when that reaches its full steam? Well, like a duff fire, you can go from I didn't know there was a fire to a thousand acres on fire in seconds. It's not an exaggeration. Do a little research on it. It's like an emotional blevy. Look that one up. Blevy, boiling liquid evaporating vapor explosion. It's when something is burning under the surface. It's getting all steamed up under the surface like a pressure cooker without the little wheel on top to let the steam out. When it goes, it goes bad. It goes ugly. So how do we alleviate that? How do we relieve the pressure? What do we do to keep that fire from spreading, that, that boiling liquid from exploding, that pressure cooker from detonating? Well, the answer might surprise you because it's not as complicated as many would have you to believe. 
needs to shut up for a minute and listen. To allow the voices that you may not agree with to be heard. To tolerate for the moment the things that you might say, I hate the fact that you have that opinion. I hate the fact that that opinion is had by anybody. I hate the fact that you have a chance to espouse that opinion, express yourself. I don't want to hear it. That leads to silence, to screams, to physicality. On the other hand, listening to an opinion that might offend you, listening to an idea that you cannot get on board with, listening to a belief system contrary to your own. You know what causes most people not to listen? It's the ego. Not, not, not a giant ego sometimes, it's the uh, fragile ego. Let that one settle in for a minute if you're a leader because many leaders struggle with insecurity and insecurity is an issue of a fragile ego and a fragile ego leads to a bully pulpit and a bully pulpit leads to silencing others so that your opinion remains predominant. Insecure leaders with a fragile ego don't want to hear the opinions of others. They can't afford to because they might be challenged. They might find that they were wrong. And when that's the case, then they have to question their own beliefs, their own ideas, their own opinions. How did I come to this conclusion? And leaders with a fragile ego have a really hard time doing that. If you're a leader who finds himself in a place where the spirit of free speech and debate is threatening, you're a leader who needs to check your ego. You're a leader who needs to do a little work on your own insecurity. You're a leader who needs to spend a little time asking the tough questions like, how did I come to the conclusions that I have? What if I'm wrong? What if I missed something? I tell a story often of a young man that I sat and had coffee with in a Starbucks. It's been probably five or six years ago now, maybe longer than that. And as we sat there, he looked at me and he said, I just can't believe they want to outlaw an article of clothing. And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he went on to explain to me the persecution of many young black men who are wearing hoodies in public places. And there are places where you just can't wear a hoodie inside the building. You have to take it off when you come in the door and throw it over your shoulder. And he said, it's the most ridiculous thing ever. I, I'm a grown man. I like to wear my hoodie. My head gets cold because I keep it shaved. I said, okay, so what's the issue? He said, they're not targeting the hoodie. They're targeting young black men. And I said, I, I don't know that to be the case. I'm not inside the head of people who put up those kinds of signs. But I think people are really more concerned about getting back to a day like Mayberry, where you could run to Aunt B's at any moment and get an apple pie. You leave your keys on, on the dashboard of your car and leave the car unlocked, and no one would take it. And but life was just simpler then. And he looked at me and challenged my worldview. He challenged my belief system. He challenged my ideas. He challenged my opinions with a single question. He said, look at my face. Where was I in Mayberry? And I had to stop for a minute and think. 
maybe one or two episodes, maybe one or two times there was a person of color that appeared in Mayberry. Now, I would have never thought of that program as being a racist program. I would have never thought of my worldview as being a racist worldview. But in that moment, I had to acknowledge I had overlooked something. I, I don't want my neighborhood not to include people of color. There's, there's nothing in me that says that's right. I do want my neighborhood to be peaceful. I, I want criminals to go to jail. I want people who are law-abiding and, and free-spirited to live their life. I want the law to not overreach into business that's not their own. But I'm not asking for segregation from other humans. I'm asking for law to be upheld and criminals to pay the price for bad choices. I don't care what their skin color is. But see, that, that viewpoint of I want the world to be like Mayberry didn't express that to him. What it said to him was I wanted to go back to a whitewashed world where there was no one there of color. Those are two different opinions looking at the same scene. I had to be willing to say, and I'm glad that I did, that's not what I mean by Mayberry. I don't mean a whitewashed town. I mean a town of a simple life. I mean a life where everybody goes about their business and everybody knows everybody and, and that's cool. And there are not a lot of people screaming to be heard. Not audibly, not physically, not in physicality. They're living their life. They're voicing their opinions. They're getting what's due them. And that's the way it should be. That, that's what I would like to see in this world. Vivek Ramaswamy makes a great point when he says that free speech and debate are critical to the survival of the American way of life. Critical to the survival of our culture, of our civics. Oh, and by the way, Vivek is a person of color, a first American-born generation of immigrants. I think there might be something worth listening to for a man whose parents came here for an education and he built a multi-billion dollar company as a result of the strength of education and opportunity given in America. And I believe his voice should be heard. I also believe there are a lot of people who would love to silence him because they disagree with some of his opinions. That's not a good thing. I would put Officer Tatum and Candace Owens and others like her, Amala, in the same boat. They have great and strong opinions. They have great ideas. They have ideas that are not popular among certain ilk of people. And unfortunately, that ilk of people who disagree with some of their opinions have the power to silence through social media, through regular media, through the ability to control the microphone. I'm glad they have a voice. I'm glad they have a platform for a voice. Even when I disagree with their opinion. I, I, I could take you over, that camera won't move, but I could take you over to the bookshelf and show you that I have a collection of all kinds of books. And many of those books are worldviews and ideas that turn my stomach. But I read them and I listen. I want to hear their opinions and how they came to their conclusions. And some of the things they believe and espouse, I just can't get on board with. They still have the right to say it. 
I don't have to agree with them. I don't have to like them. But I do have to love them. And I will. I will love them. Some of them from a great distance. If your ego is so fragile as a leader that you can't listen and give voice to those who are seething on the inside, Columbine is days away. It's just a reality. But as a leader, it's your job <clears throat> to make a pathway for the voice to be heard, to make room for it. Whether it's a town hall or through your HR policies or to sit down over a cup of coffee with someone you may not agree with. Take the time, make the trouble, make the effort. Free speech and debate, they may challenge your beliefs and your ideas. And that'll make you a better person. That'll make you a better leader. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast, but tell it like it is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. Hi, my name is Christina Knowles, and I just got done taking Jay Lauren's Story Power Masterclass. It was amazing. I took away so much information. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed being formally trained in media many, many years ago is the call to action. I will use that with every speaking engagement, and I'm so grateful that Lauren just um, spoke truth into his teachings, and he is a true professional. And I know this might sound weird, but I've been taking certifications in different classes over the years, and Lauren is not boring. I can't even believe I got here at nine, and then the class went by so fast that I was like, it's time to go already? And I was shocked that it was time to go already. So it's an awesome class. You're going to enjoy it, I promise. Lauren is a master teacher on storytelling, and I learned so much. Um, I'm really going to have to sit down and go back through everything, and I think I might have to have some more coffees with Lauren, but uh, it was totally worth my time.